Welcome to the Dirty Lie Podcast. Yes, two truths and a dirty lie is now the Dirty Lie Pod. I'm your host, Des. I'm Tansy. As, <laughs> as always, this is a podcast about facts, figures, and weird things from the past. We will continue our deep dives into history, and each week I'll ask my co-host, or he'll ask me, tell me, sorry, three quote-unquote facts, and I have to figure out what is true and what is the dirty lie. Are you ready? I'm always ready. Also, why have two truths when you can just have a dirty lie? Yeah, I think it's it's more punchy, doesn't yeah. it? So, I like dirty lie. The dirty lie pod. Let's let's know what you guys think too. TDL is now the Dirty Lie Pod. You can find us at the Dirty Lie Podcast on Instagram and at Dirty Lie Pod on Twitter. Please remember to like, subscribe, review, and share this with anyone. Follow, upvote, start a Reddit, and discuss episodes, propose episodes. You know, let's get into it. So this episode is going to be about politicians. It's going to be about drugs. And it's going to be about corruption. And I just want to warn you, Tim Tyler, even though this is a podcast about history, mm. some of this is very recent history mm. and not everyone involved in this is dead. I ain't scared. Are you sure? We're talking heroin, the United States, the 90s. Okay. Nigerians, it's, some it's, Yoruba Donnies. Wow. Yeah. You're not scared still? I mean, it's just giving Martin Scorsese. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Okay. If I'm sketched at any point, I will say iPod Shuffle <laughs> and you will not end the episode <laughs> immediately there. Okay. All right. Now, before I actually get into the fact, I would just preface this episode with allegedly. However, I am using court cases and uh, reliable sources, but uh, everything is allegedly when it comes to history. Especially in this part of the world. Let's go. Number one. Orange is the New Black, the Netflix series, was written by a drug mule and the head of the drug empire she was working for was a Nigerian senator who went by Alaji on Orange is the New Black, but is known as Kasham of Oguste. Oh God. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Um, okay. Number two. In 2016, 10 members of the Nigerian House of Representatives were invited to America on a leadership exchange. Three of those members were found in a hotel room when a disturbance was called in. This was in Cleveland, Ohio. And the police broke into the hotel room and found some cocaine on a baking tray and a vial of PCP. One of the senators tried to jump out of the first floor window in order to avoid arrest. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to speculate. Okay. Yeah. And number three, the kingpin of the heroin drug trade in Chicago in the 1990s was found to be a woman known as Jumoke Majakudumi, who was selling heroin out of her shop, which was called the White House. Very close, but uh, her shop was called Luxuria. Luxuria is that no? It was called Women's Affair. Boutique. Oh, yikes. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Number one is the kingpin of the drug empire in Orange is the New Black. Was it a Nigerian senator? Number two. 
Did they find three Nigerian senators snorting coke in a hotel in Cleveland, Ohio in 2016? And number three was the kingpin of the heroin drug trade in Chicago in 1998 found to be a Jumoke who who sold clothing out of women's affair boutiques. Not clothing, heroin. But, but the front was clothing. Yes, the front was clothing. Okay. Um, I think the lie is... Also, I think it's really like badass. Like, I'm putting their names in the facts. You haven't said I put. Yeah, I haven't yet. said I put shuffle yet. <clears throat> I can hold on for a bit. Um, I think the lie is okay. Can I ask a question? You want a clarifying question? Right yeah. Now? Yeah. But, okay, let's. The senators that got caught in the hotel. Right? Mm-hmm. What decade was this? 2016. God, have mercy. I think that's the lie. Why? If it was the seventies, I'd have been like, "That's true." So you think seven senators from the seventies, or no, House of Reps members from the seventies, are more likely to be snoring coke mm-hmm. than House of Reps members today? Fa- yeah, five years ago, um, basically today. Well, I guess the seventies statesmen were more responsible, seemingly. Mm. But it just sounds like it. You know, PCP is just such a seventies vibe jumping out of hotel rooms after being caught is a big 70s vibe as well like everyone thought they were james bond but like in a groovy 70s way okay. the first fact i know that to be true okay so i feel like the dirty lie is in fact the senators um Jumake just seems like a very likely thing based off her shop being called women's affairs, women's affairs. she might as well have just named it this is a shop that definitely does not sell heroin mind <laughs> your business <laughs> no like every have you not seen these lucky boutiques all of them have like luxury in the name and they're all on follow she will. yeah there's actually a, a woman's store and her brand tagline is for the narcissistic woman do people not know what that would be I don't like she sells Heck. It's not vain. <laughs> Narcissism and being vain are not the same thing. Not nearly. They're even close. Okay, so your fact, you are. Woo! Correct. Woo! You are correct. You know what? Let's get the lie out of the way. Okay. Because the truths, <laughs> mm. the truths are lots. And I'm thinking that is what is going to keep our listeners. You guys Glory. want to, it's going to keep you going because you want to learn about heroin in Chicago, the 90s. And I know you also want to learn about how a senator has a whole, <laughs> a senator story is what's made Netflix Netflix today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Orange is the New Black was the first one. Yeah. It was either that or House of Cards. No, I think it, it was, was Orange. Orange. It was Orange. Orange came first. Yeah. Netflix were like, we can win Emmys? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so let's go with the lie. You know what? I am going to name. Yes. Let's name them. Well, we're not going to shame them. We're only going to name them. But you guys can shame well, them because they're senators. So you can just Well, sorry, out. they're not senators. They are House of Rep members. They are members of the House of Representatives, right? Even better. You have Mohamed Gololo. He's a member of APC, Bauchi State. Mm. You have Mark Willa, a member of APC, Benway State. Mm. And you have Samuel Ikom, a member of PDP, Akwaibom State. Oh, look at that. I love this. You know what? It's non-partisan. Non-partisan, non-religious, mm-hmm. non-tribal. Mm-hmm. Well, in 2016, Mr. James N. Swissle, the U.S. ambassador to Nigeria, wrote a letter to the House of Reps saying... Saying your boys have been fucking up. Yes. When 10 members of the Nigerian House of Reps were invited to the U.S. for the International Visitors Leadership Program in Cleveland, Ohio, three of those members stepped, allegedly, very outside of line. It was said that one, 
Mohamed Garba Gololo allegedly grabbed a housekeeper in his hotel room and solicited for sex. While the housekeeper reported this to her management, this incident could have involved local enforcement and resulted in legal consequences for Gululu. However, the housekeeper reported to the managers and not the police. Mm. Now, Mark Bila and Samuel Econ allegedly... <laughs> the first one, Gululu's one, is not funny at all. Yeah. His name might be comedic, but his actions, not cute. Or his alleged actions. Gululu. Wow. I am so sorry. Now, I want to separate him from the other two because his own actions are his own actions. And yeah. I think you'll see why I'm separating them from Econ and Bila. Econ and Bila apparently went up to the parking attendants in the hotel mm-hmm. and asked them to help them get some prostitutes. Ah, that's one does. Yeah. To parking attendants. Yeah. So their visas were revoked. They said that the visitor had violated U.S. law and even if their behavior did not result in arrests or convictions, you know. They were charged with being really horny. Well, one, no. One was, two were charged with being really Really horny. horny. The other one is sexual assault. Yes, it's sexual assault. So that's why I want to separate it. Now, the U.S. ambassador wrote a letter to Yakubu Dogara, who who was Speaker Speaker of the House. Yes, the House brought up their ethics committee where they found responsible. Let me guess. No. no. Exactly. I do want to say that I have read their letters defending themselves. First of all, I think, and you're a lawyer here, so you know, I, I want you to put in here, but I think what Bila and Econ did, even if they allegedly did, even mm. if they did, they were soliciting a solicitor to solicit a prostitute. Like, is yeah. that really a it's Is that a crime? Asking someone, do you know where I can solicit prostitutes? Yeah. Does that reach the threshold of actually soliciting a prostitute? I don't know Cleveland law. Fair. Mm. But like ethically, it's still soliciting consensual sex. It's soliciting sex work. Yeah. And um it's scandalous and it's fun to talk about, but it's definitely not morally comparable to, to grabbing Kulu. a woman yes. who has no thought who has no such yeah. Yeah. She's like, she's just a housekeeper her. and her place of work who's it's, essentially a service, somebody who's working a service they, towards. I you. imagine they were staying at a nice hotel. Yes. Obviously, they got thrown together, which mm. makes sense. And it's like, oh, our House of Reps members are going abroad to embarrass us, which is also true. It's Very embarrassing. True. It is all embarrassing. It is really embarrassing. It's a shame what the other two reps did is not comparable to what Gululu did. Also, the other two reps, like, I think, I mean, I think their main crime is just being really lazy because they didn't even drive out and go to like the shady part of town. They were like in their hotel and they just looked at it. Like, that guy looks like. He's on the level. How do you know? How do you know what a trustworthy person to ask about Bro. prostitution looks like? I was reading this article and it was like, Garba is from the Northeast, a devout Muslim. Econ is a former speaker of Akwai Bom State House of Assembly, a mm. practicing Christian and an elder in the Apostolic Church of Nigeria mm. from the South-South. Bila is a Christian from the Middle Belt slash North Central, as we knew it. Mm-hmm. They are from different parties different tribes different languages different religions different constituents i just want nigerians to know at the top they're united they are united against us 
Yeah. I'm not trying to throw all of them in the same boat and say these are bad people, but I'm just trying to say divide and conquer work for the white people and the people in power are using divide and conquer to work for them. Yeah. That's just an, that that for me is the takeaway from this story. Now Sam Ikon wrote a letter defending himself saying that he was too sick to even have sex when he was in Cleveland. Okay. That he had malaria and typhoid. Okay. That he's a married man. Okay. And My that cheese, he is <laughs> a I mean, member, a leader in the church, as I had just said. Uh, so this is those not guys also do not cheat. Oh, okay. So Echo, we can we can we can absolve him clearly. So he says, Mr. Ambassador, I was miserable throughout our stay in Washington D.C. and I only got a bit stable in Cleveland when the medication began to kick in. Thus, the issue of sex was totally ruled out for me in view of my health. Mm brackets laboratory results available if needed i therefore find it funny and unacceptable to be so linked as in your letter mm. i find it kind of funny um this makes you look guilty yeah you know you know when i know someone is guilty what? when you accuse them of a crime and they say basically their line of defense is basically like oh i couldn't even have done it because i was doing this <laughs> Like just say I didn't do just it. Just say I didn't do it. <laughs> if I even did it, I would have done it this way. I couldn't do it because I had typhoid. No, just say just say no. I didn't do it. I was sleeping. Let me alone. Should I tell you my favorite line of his uh, letter? What, what? To the U.S. ambassador. By the way, a letter that was made public. I have no reason to seek comfort in the bosom of a prostitute with all the attendant health risks, especially the latest known as Zika virus, which has entered the USA. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying about these guys? When someone is lying, they go above and beyond. They start bringing out facts, existential threats. So one thing they all say is that they have visited America multiple times. Some of them talk about they have membership card. They've been to a lot of fancy hotels in their lives, which I do think is like, I think it's fair, a fairer defense, which not he raised, but his co-defendant raised, Mm -hmm. was that I'm a well-learned, well-traveled, relatively wealthy man who has been to a lot of fancy hotels. I'm not going to go to the parking attendant if it's Yeah. Which is more believable than I'm afraid prostitutes have Zika, so I'm not. Uh, yeah, they like, yeah. They mm-hmm. asked for video proof, which mm-hmm. the US did not supply. Yeah. Video proof is wild. It's wild because what are they going to do? CCTV showing you talking to a parking attendant. Yeah. Like, it's like. Gololo's case is obviously very different. And as we all know, no hotel, even if they are recording you, it's going to say they're recording you within the confines of, of your, your room. room. Yeah. Like, come on. So, yeah, that was the lie. The truth behind that. Have you ever heard of Marion Berry? No. He was the second and fourth mayor of Washington, D.C. in America. Definitely not heard of that man. He was caught in a sting operation smoking crack. What? (laughs) He was caught smoking crack in a sting operation led by the FBI and the D.C. police. They have him on video. Basically, they had got one of his ex-girlfriends on a drug charge and they were like, if you want a lesser sentence, then help us get the mayor. Okay. Older listeners of this podcast would be more familiar with who Marion Berry is. It happened in the 90s, right? Yeah. He had the stature of like, I don't want to say MLK because MLK is incomparable, but he was a civil rights leader a prominent black civil rights leader a lot of people actually still felt he was set up yeah the one which he was set up yeah i think that's a setup because 
obviously i mean nobody smokes crack casually when someone asks them to smoke crack but the ex-girlfriend was basically like you should smoke crack before we have intercourse mm. and then he did and then they mm. jumped out for me that does sound that's it feels it's entrapment that's like that's entrapment. entrapment like i think it's entrapment but he he admits himself that he had a serious drug and alcohol and women problem my favorite thing about his story is that so he's the second and fourth mayor because he was the second mayor when he got arrested Mm -hmm. he goes to jail for six months comes out becomes like a city councilman or something becomes the fourth mayor after that so he cleans up and becomes mayor he becomes mayor again oh that's dope really dope really dope because i went to the youtube comments and people were just like wow i'm so glad you overcame this like honestly i was just like wow they really like this guy People love Marion Barry. The really sad thing is that his son did die of an overdose. His son was found with PCP on the table and he did jump out of the window to try and avoid police. And then he just came back and was like, wow. Yeah, that's me. It's really, it's really sad. His son was named Marion Christopher Barry. He tried to run for mayor. I guess because his dad was mayor. Mm. We talked about sons running for their dad's positions <laughs> the other day. You, did. you rarely find a son of a great man that's great. Which I think it's because they sacrifice so much of their personal to be great. Mm-hmm. And the people who suffer are the people in their personal the lives. families and yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah. I have faffed about enough. What do you want first? Kashamu or Jumoke Majakudumi? Um, Kashamu. 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 Okay. Kashamu. Is that really how you pronounce it? You know you're I, the Yoruba one yeah, amongst us I here. And, uh, I don't know. Okay. Kashamu and Jumoke come from the same generation of alleged mm. drug smugglers in America in the 90s. So I want to give you a little overview of what the heroin trade looked like in Chicago. Why did Nigerian especially Yoruba people become synonymous with the heroin trade in America in the 90s. <laughs> Why did that happen? How did we get here? Mm. In case like there is an elephant in the room, just let the elephants chill with his broom. We're not going there. Broom, broom, broom. And I also just want to say because I know non-Nigerians listen to this podcast and no matter how criminalized Nigerians are West Africa, like the whole region, including Nigeria and Bene and Ghana and Togo, accounts for 0.4% of seizures worldwide when it comes to heroin. Less than half a percentage is coming in and out of Nigeria. So even though I'm about to go into, I just want to say that context is incredibly important. Yeah, we're not, we're not even, we're, yeah, we're, we're barely there. We're barely there. It's just that we excel at anything we set our minds to. Be it criminal, tech, creative. Give it up for the Nigerians. Give Give it it up for Nigerians. We are excellent. Especially Nigerian women, but okay. (laughs) So now, in 1985 in Chicago, there was a major change in the type and quality of heroin in the streets because the DEA had something called Operation Durango, which had taken out the Herrera organization and the Herrera family of drug suppliers. So now Operation Durango has successfully limited the amount of heroin that's coming from Mexico and South America into Chicago. And the Nigerians were like, that looks like a great business opportunity. And so Nigerians and Colombians 
became the heroin traffickers of the day. Nigerians would take supplies of heroin from Thailand and other parts of Southeast Asia, and soon enough, Southeast Asian heroin became the most prevalent heroin on the streets of Chicago. You would have Nigerian heroin smugglers who would typically sell to Nigerian wholesalers. Nigerian wholesalers will then sell to high-level members of major African-American street gangs, such as the Gangster Disciples and the Vice Lords, who would then handle retail distribution. So you have Gangster Disciples and Vice Lords, and their ogres at the top were Nigerian. And then Nigerians became so good at this that they started recruiting younger Nigerians because they had a generational gap. So you're like, these kids are not doing, they're not sending drugs. (laughs) How do we bring, how do we bring the youth in? How do we get them to tap in? How do we bring the youth in? You would have essentially uncles and cousins bringing in brothers and sisters, bringing in their families into the drug trade and, um, Nigerians were really good at it because they would insulate themselves from the police. Originally, they would have Nigerian couriers and then they stopped having Nigerian couriers and then they used to use pristine white people mm. like Piper mm. from Orange is the New Black. I see what you're saying. You see, because they start using white students as couriers. Also, apparently, a lot of, this is a very unfortunate anecdote, but a lot of gay men also mm. were used as couriers because HIV was prevalent those days and antiviral medication was really expensive mm. so it actually became a go-to yeah. way to actually for them to be able to afford medication there's a beautiful map that shows the trade route just going <laughs> from thailand, thailand and you know southeast asia sometimes stop over nigeria <laughs> and then go to chicago and also nigeria started this thing where they would only fly into smaller american airports like from Europe so they'll stop over in Europe and then they'll fly into like a random airport like they're not going to fly into Yukon JFK yeah. yeah they're not going to fly into JFK they're probably going to fly to Raleigh Durham like they're not they're, you know they're not going to fly into like right. I'm in Boston Massachusetts <laughs> he's like but he's not even going to fly into Boston right he's going to fly into the town 15 miles out of Boston <laughs> that has like two lanes in the airport so yes so let's go to Kasha Kasha my heart is beating. <laughs> I said you shouldn't be scared. Here I am. So, Buruji Kashamu was born in Ogun State, Nigeria, on the 19th of May, 1958. He went to school in Ijebu and then he took some evening classes, apparently, at Ibobi College. There's a claim he got like an honorable PhD or some unaccredited diploma from the Cambridge Graduate University <laughs> located in Massachusetts, as you had just said. He was a member of the PDP and was considered one of the major financiers of Good Luck Jonathan. The person who is behind the blonde lady in Orange is the New Black, her real name is Kerman. And in her book, she makes a few references to a man called Alaji, but she never mentions Kashamu by name. And she says she never met him, but her girlfriend, who is, you know, the dark haired lesbian? Yes, the one who wore the glasses. Yes. Yes. The girlfriend, the real life version of her stayed in Kashamu's compound in Bene. And this is because that girlfriend, so Piper's girlfriend's sister was Kashamu's girlfriend. Mm. Have I? So Piper's girlfriend is Catherine Waters. Her sister is Ellen Waters. 
Ellen Walters allegedly had a romantic relationship with Kashamu. According to Catherine Walters, they even had some witch doctor ministrations when she was in Bene, and Kashamu said she was now considered his sister-in-law. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Now, Kerman, Ellen, Catherine, what do they have in common? Young white women. These were the preferred careers for heroin trafficking and also trafficking of money because they also have to traffic the money, the, the cash. Kerman, who is the most famous one, the blonde from Orange is New Black, she yeah. never actually carried drugs. She was carrying the money back and forth. But her girlfriend was carrying drugs. It's a huge smuggling, it's a drug trafficking ring. It's, it's a network that spans Nigeria, Bene, Chicago, Paris, London, Bangkok. <laughs> it's not a small. It's not a small thing. It's not a small game, right? How, how much would you say it's worth at this point? Um, there is a quote where Kerman says, "For every sixty thousand dollars she made, Alaji made at least ten times that amount, and that's for every sixty thousand she made, which." Means there are multiple sixty thousands she made. Yeah. So this is millions and millions of dollars. Tens at the very least. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars worth. On the twenty first of May nineteen ninety eight, a grand jury charged Kashamu and others in a superseding indictment with conspiracy to import heroin into the United States. Nine of the fourteen defendants named pled guilty. I need you to understand this. They got a network of that network. They were able to charge 14. Of that 14, nine of them said, I did I, I did do it. I did it. Like. Yeah. So they were not knocking on the wrong door. They broke them. Mm-hmm. Now, Kashamu was the man that they allegedly called Alaji or God. He was the person ultimately in charge of the heroin smuggling organization. Of the nine that pled guilty, two, Catherine Walters and Nicholas Fillmore Jr. had visited Kashamu at his residence in Bene Republic in connection with the heroin smuggling organization. Ellen Walters had also visited with him, but but then Catherine Walters and Nicholas Fillmore, these people wrote books afterwards? Where they talk in detail about uh, working for allergies. On December 18th, 1998, the Metropolitan Police arrested Kashamu in London when he arrived on an inbound flight with $230,000 in cash. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. $230,000. That's nearly a quarter of a million dollars in cash. Why? I don't think rappers walk around with that much money. I cannot withdraw hundred. Like no, you, you know when you. No, you can't. You, you can't withdraw hundred thousand dollars. Oh damn, things must be. No, if I withdraw hundred k now, it's because there's a reason. <laughs> I have a reason. Like I have a reason. Naira. No, I have a reason. <laughs> because if half of that money should miss, I will be hurt deeply. <laughs> I will feel it in my chest. You're going to a policeman. For you to carry that much cash, there must be a reason. Oh, are you just going shopping? You don't trust your card will work? This is in the 90s. December 90s. I mean, maybe you just want to do some Christmas shopping. This is a week before Christmas. I don't think there's a good time in history to have you walking around with that much cash ever. So they find him with cash, but they also find him with very important things. He was traveling under the name Kashamu, but on a Bene passport, not on a Nigerian passport. 
So he was carrying his Cat National Identity from Republic du Benin. And he was bearing a business card with the notation Group Casmal International, Import and Exports. One of the addresses listed for Group Casmal International was a location in Cotonou, Benin Republic. Now, Catherine Walters, in her official statement to the U.S. government before they knew who Alaji was, had said, Alaji owned Kazmal Exports in Benin. Fillmore, these people were arrested in different states, gave different statements at different times. Fillmore stated that Alaji owned in Benin Republic an import and export company known as Kazmal and an automobile dealership called Daywood. Just want to say that he was also found with a card saying Daywood and Sang Young Moto. Yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> Barry J. Blow, which is a very interesting name for someone involved. It's like Mary J. Blige. Barry J. Blow. It's like Mary J. Blige. No, but like Blow. <laughs> you're working in the drug trade and your name is Blow. <laughs> Barry. What does the J Stated, What does the J stand for? Please tell me it's Joseph, because then he's Joe Blow. Oh. Let's see. Barry J. Blow was also part of this indictment, and he also talked about Alaji living in Bene, importing, doing imports, and having a car dealership. So now Kashamu is, is thrown none other than Brixton Prison, while the Americans are then trying to extradite him. Both Catherine Walters and Ellen Walters, the two Walters sisters, had prior to his arrest identified a photograph of Kashamu from a photo spread. Right. Fillmore had misidentified Kashamu. So this is another person in the trade. He had said they gave him a photo array in the first photo, what which was tagged a surveillance photo, he said that was Kashamu. In the photo array lineup of Kashamu's arrest, in like his uh, like a lineup, mock, yeah, the lineup, the in the lineup, he was like, no, number seven doesn't look like Alaji, yeah. and number seven was Kashamu. So Fillmore misidentified him. However, the Walter sisters who were in different prisons identified Buruju Kashamu as Alaji. So you have three positive identifications and then one one misidentification, one thing that's not him. You have that's three enough positives. to get case thrown out, I feel like. So this is why the extradition fails. Uh, but guess what? The reason I keep saying his first name is because he says, the Alachi you are looking for is my dead brother, Adewale Kashamu. I think we need to start getting actors to react stuff on this podcast. <laughs> he <laughs> said, so my dramatic. brother Adewale Kashamu looks strikingly like me. It's Buruji Kashamu. You say Buruji, Buruji. He said, when I found out that my brother was involved in these illicit drug activities, I made a complaint to law enforcement agencies in Bene and in Nigeria. This is what he says in a, in a sworn affidavit. His defense lawyer then submits letters supposedly from Nigeria's National Drug Law Enforcement Agency, also known as NDLEA, confirming that Kashamu had indeed supplied the agency with information which led to successful interdiction, arrest, and prosecution of drug traffickers. Direct quote. Yes, and I'm one of you. I'm helping On you. On hearing this... The NDLEA informed the narcotics attaché at the U.S. Embassy in Lagos that those letters were bogus, absolutely false. Oh, no. And if this is the problem with us in this side of the world. You can pay someone high enough to send. Like, if, if Abakiari is in 
Yeah. DCP of police, uh, the ex-DCP of police is in jail right now for helping drug smugglers. Then you understand that you can actually yeah. get an official letter you have enough cash and if you have 230 in your hand luggage i'm sure you have a couple more somewhere else it's a trip you're used to making you probably have a lot more back home so you know he would get letters saying he's an informant and then you get other letters saying that's a lie and then this is where it gets real twisty the nda says kashamu is making baseless fictitious and fallacious claims Aimed at fallacious. Cloudy, fallacious. <laughs> aimed at beclouding his culpability. I hate the way Nigerians speak sometimes. You could have used one of those words. You could have just said these claims are baseless. Full stop. Why are we so like fallacious? <laughs> they also went on to say, Mr. Buruji Kashamu is a notorious drug criminal who is still on the NDLEA wanted list. He has never been an informant. His claim that it is his brother who is wanted is absolutely false since said brother died before Buruji became a known drug offender. The NDLEA further contended that the brother had been killed in 1989 while attempting to run away from a customs investigation <laughs> for involvement in drugs. Oh dear. Now, you said, it's not me, it's my brother. NDLEA says, it's not your brother because he died. We're not saying your brother was not involved in drugs. He was. But in the midst of an investigation into those drugs in 1989, before we started looking at you, he was dead. And then, twist. Another twisty twist. Another one. Buruji Kashamo's lawyers then confronted the NDLEA with a valid Nigerian passport that had been issued for Adewale Kashamu in 1990 a year after the brother had supposedly been killed in a raid since passports are not issued to the dead it becomes difficult to assert our earlier conclusion that adewale kashamu died in the custody of the nigerian customs service the NDLA was forced to admit <clears throat> the proof of life was a valid passport a valid nigerian passport that was the proof that was the life. proof. That was the proof. How do you feel about that as proof somebody was alive? I think <laughs> it's just not even beyond as a Nigerian, just as a person who has seen life. And by life I mean a sum total of maybe over the last thirty years, five hours of TV. I feel like it's incredibly insane. <laughs> that, that's the proof. That's of the life. proof of life. Anywhere for anyone. And the fact that a bunch of adults conspired to make that the proof of life is also insane. Um, I think every criminal enterprise needs someone who interrogates the ideas. <laughs> and I think every law enforcement agency also needs someone to interrogate ideas. Like, Well, that was the proof. Yeah, that was the proof. So it's like, my brother is a criminal mastermind alive somewhere. You didn't kill him like you thought you did. Yeah. And now you're mixing me up with him. I'm the I'm I'm good. I'm the good one, and I have tried to tell you I for criminals. years that he is the actual drug lord. Do you see him working himself up into a frenzy because he's kind of like you know when people just lie to the point where they believe the lie, and he's just like no, I'm. He's just like getting frustrated. They don't they don't understand. They don't understand. No, I don't think so good. because guess what he then does. So 
the Americans tried twice to extradite him from UK to America. They failed. He's in the UK prison until about 2003. So he's there for, what, four or five years? Anyways, this story takes another twisty twist. Because this is all before he becomes senator, by the way. At this point in time, he's not yet a senator. I want to tell you that you can have this in your closet in Nigeria and get voted into the Senate. I love that for him. Let's, let's go back because something interesting happens. Do you remember what happened on September 11, 2000? Yeah. The World Trade Center fell. Yeah. And while the World Trade Center fell, Buruji Kashamu was in Brixton prison with what he referred to as a Muslim radical or a cellmate. This is another Brixton prison alumni of the podcast. <laughs> Brixton prison is alumni association in Lagos. Sixteen old boys. my yes, yeah. Oh, there's another person that I can't even say his name on this podcast because I really don't want to die. <laughs> I push off. I push off. Um. So he informed his lawyer in Chicago, Thomas Durkin, of information that he said was very important to the United States about plans to bomb the United States. Wow. He was then contacted by United States Attorney Patrick Fitzgerald to provide details of what he had been told by his cellmate. According to Buruji Kashamu, and I want to say according to him because then we have the actual affidavits. So, you know, someone can say something mm-hmm. and then you can see more some people. I'll just read his, the direct quote. I was told that if I pleaded guilty to the case of heroin smuggling and provided information that I knew regarding the bombing of the World Trade Center, I could receive a favorable plea bargain, but I could not accept the offer because I am not guilty of the case. He wrote this in 2009. However, Uh-oh. you also have a handwritten letter by S.J. Humphreys, an officer at the Brixton prison, written on December 30th, 2001, which confirmed that Mr. Kashamu met officers from Scotland Yard, the headquarters of the Met Police, in respect to said information. So basically, you have corroborating evidence that he did meet with Scotland Yard and then with US agents in regards to information that he had about terrorists and uh, Muslim radicals. And this was before the bombing? This was after. But this was, so they said the officers came from Scotland Yard on the 28th of September 2001. So this is two weeks after. I think it's very interesting that he was providing information right after the towers fell. The Americans said, according to this written statement, that the US government were requesting to meet with Kashamu to give further evidence because they felt that the information he gave was extremely valuable Mm. now however the man who would end up trying to extradite him later said that he was very familiar with Kashamu because before he joined the Chicago office he was on the terrorism squad so he knew about Kashamu as an informant Um, and he was like we never gave him any 
any plea bargain offer and there was never a plea bargain offer on the table yeah. first we wanted to find out the information was valuable yeah. but it was never like oh if this information comes out good then you're off the hook yeah. right that was never the case that was never on the table it was never on the table um, which I think is very important to clarify but yeah he did give them valuable information about Muslim terrorists after 9-11 which it's so weird how these things happen like so where is he now allegedly well Buruji Kashamu died during the COVID-19 pandemic he is uh, dead but not until becoming a senator uh, for Ogun State, not until running for governor of Ogun State under a faction of the PDP, like a part of the PDP broke away in the Ogun State governorship against a uh, person who's now governor, who's Abiodun. The day before he was supposed to be sworn as a senator, NDLEA surrounded his house. According to his lawyer, he was trapped in his bathroom for six days as masked men surrounded his house and stayed in his room. I don't, I There's don't. no way that's possible. There's a quote where he says that if they try to take him to America, which he comes, he considered what the American government was trying to do was kidnap him because they failed to extradite him twice. So he said, now they want to kidnap me. He also blamed Obasanjo for this. He said, because Obasanjo and I have now fallen out. This is in 2012. Obasanjo and I have fallen out. So... He now wants the Americans to kidnap me. I think this says something. You can buy favor. He was he was a financier of the PDP. He was important to do the PDP. Obasanjo was aligned with the PDP. And then maybe you fall out of favor and they now do not want to protect you anymore. In his obituaries, they're not very favorable obituaries about this man on the internet. I would say that. In fact, the first one that comes up is an article saying obituary. Kashamu defeats the US extradition case. That was their first line. That is insane. That is really rude. Nigerian journalists, you guys, re- relax. I mean, it was those guys. <laughs> the ones now aren't, they're not really on, on rude like that. Really? No, they are. It, it depends on where they write for now. Fair. Where are the hardcore journalists? Who are they writing for now? The bad boys? No. If you, like, if, if you don't, if you work for a certain paper, which I will not see. Yeah. That is funded by a certain uh, presidential candidate right now. Yeah. You can say whatever you want about like a PDP or like a, someone he doesn't like. You can go out there and say really horrific things. I like the that. nation ran something called um, obituary for Peter B. I don't like that because it's just like, where are your standards? Yeah, obituary. That's, that's and then horrible. he was not like, I wasn't calling for his death. So he made a play on OB with obituary. Yeah. That is not cute. Like it's 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 not, it's not very clever. Doing this podcast, especially on figures or recent history, is so incredibly difficult because I cannot read a newspaper article coming out of Nigeria and take what is said there mm. as fact. So for this case, I read US court documents. I read a lot of US court documents. Honestly, being a lawyer helps. And uh, I would say some newspapers in Nigeria just reprint the whole thing, which is nice. Yeah. It makes it easy to find. If you Google, it's going to come right up. You can Google US versus Buruji Kashamu. You'll see the whole court case. That is Kashamu's case. Oh, the quote I was going to say is that he did say that he was going to... The reason why this quote stuck in my head is because remember OPC? Remember the days where... Can you remember OPC? Um, yeah, vaguely. OPC boys. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, where are they now? Um, who cares? 
I guess. But <laughs> he said he was going to surround himself with OPC boys and that if the United States came to try and kidnap him, that at least one of that they might get him, but at least someone would die first. I mean, they had guns, so fair enough. I mean, yeah, but that is how somebody inspires Orange is the New Black. Both the theme and the actual story. Uh, yeah, partakes in anti-terrorism movement post 9-11 is an alleged drug smuggler and alleged financier of a president and a member of the senate an alleged twin brother as well no no twin or just brother oh brother my bad sorry I thought it was okay Jumoke was running a 26 million dollar heroin empire out of women's affair boutique let me see dollars (laughs) now I just want to say one thing though because before i go on this like i would i assume that some of these people some of these people who i'm about to say are not they're not all the kingpins and the major donnies maybe they think they're doing some money laundering or maybe they think they're running some game for one big auntie somewhere (laughs) however they indicted 44 people operation global c 44 44 so now, I'm going to read this. This is straight from a DEA brochure. Also, this is really funny, but it's not that funny. But the DEA does th- TBT on their social media. I like that. <laughs> and they do like TBT arrests. So one of their TBTs is them posting this picture of them arresting Jumoke Majakunimi. That's as funny as so I'm just gonna read the DA summary of Operation Global C because it's it's very it's very straightforward case. Yeah. 1994 Southeastern heroin, which was smuggled by ethnic China and Nigeria-based traffickers, was one of the greatest drug threats to the United States. Almost 60 percent of the heroin that came to the United States originated from Southeast Asia's Golden Triangle: Burma, Laos, and Thailand. The Nigeria, China, and West Africa-based trafficking organizations helped smuggle the heroin, typically 10 kilograms per trip. In response to this, Operation Global Sea targeted a Nigerian female-led drug trafficking organization that was responsible for smuggling into the United States $26 million worth of high-purity Southeast Asian heroin. That's the thing. The quality of heroin that Nigerians were supplying was unbeatable. They were not cutting it. Is that that a good thing or a bad thing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just telling you that Nigerians excel in the good and in the bad. They're just going to do it to the best of their ability. This was a very enterprising enterprise. They were not playing with it. You know what I'm saying? You know when you were talking about that lady pirate? And she was just doing it to just a level above everyone else. Everyone else. Well, so they arrested 44 people. It involved law enforcement agencies in Thailand, United States, Great Britain, France, Switzerland, Mexico, and the Netherlands. By the end of this 18-month operation, they had seized 55.5 kilograms of heroin with an average purity of 80% and arrested 44 defendants in Bangkok, Chicago, New York, Detroit, and Pakistan. Some of those defendants are listed in the case U.S. versus Balogun, 
in uh, the Chicago courts. And they are Folake Lukoga, Kafiat Adidolako Windoku, Tajuin Aruade, Olabumi Unimole, Adola Shanike, Akinto Yeshode, Mukaila Balogun, Adebaya Majakodumit, Tawakaila Alausa. You're really, you're really naming all these people. <laughs> I'm I mean, Yo, um, I don't want to just like, I don't want to leave anyone out. <laughs> um, where's Jimmy now? Is she back in America or is she here? I have no idea. One thing I love is that Nigerians don't do, don't be rats, you know, don't talk to the feds. No, that's not culture. That's not culture. First of all, all of them wanted to be severed. They were like, don't join me to that person's case. That one is a criminal. So Adebayo Majokurumi says that his joinder to the indictment with his co-defendant Jumoke Shunaye is severely prejudicial to him. Shunaye is his sister. <laughs> I think Jumoke Shunaye is also Jumoke Majokurumi. He's saying he wants to join me to that girl. Oh my god. <laughs> no, let me tell you something. There are 24 Nigerian defenders here, yeah? Yeah. 24. Every single one of them wants to be separated from other person. And they're like, if you join me to them, they're going to think I'm guilty. Some of their lawyers were like, the jury will not be able to tell the difference because they're Nigerian born and they're Aryans and they might think they're one and the same. The state would then go back with evidence was like, no, we have your client on tape. So, I mean, this is not a RICO charge, but this is, <laughs> but they're like, you, we don't need to prove that. They are part of the conspiracy. It's okay. They're like, don't worry. Let's get to court. Like, relax. Listen, I got you. It's I not that you. they're Nigerian. Don't worry. They will tell the difference. I feel <laughs> like when Nigerians walk into court, they just play, you know, WWFT music for wrestlers. They just play <laughs> when Nigerians walk into court. I'm sorry if it was you or your lawyer, but this was the funniest one for me. She says that she was negotiating with a hearing supplier, Tijani, another mm-hmm. Nigerian, right? Mm-hmm. And that she introduced Tijani and Jumoke. But that the hearing the arrestation for is not the one that Tijani gave her. <laughs> no, it's not from the same transaction. It's a different <laughs> That. It's a different heroin. So why are you not adding me? Eh, I gave her, I told her, I showed her where the heroin was. But that's not the one you caught it. Why are you adding me to this? <laughs> or not amongst thieves. Bro, forget that because let me tell you something. If we read Rico in Diamonds or like Luciano's or something, like they're not going to talk. Mm. The Nigerians were spilling their guts. <laughs> I said the brother said, don't join me to my sister. Like you can try me you. <laughs> but to add me to her matter it's like if your mom comes home and you guys have all messed up and she now wants to beat all of you together and you're like it's just like you don't do homework but this one way to go and bash your car don't beat us together you're going to use the effects of the car to beat me too and I was not part of that so. I, know. I, I, I see it in my mind's eyes so clearly it's but if there's one thing I'm going to say don't do drugs kid don't sell them either and don't let anybody give you anything to carry without checking your bag have a lovely week. Remember to share, 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 share. Oh, yeah, share, no. Share, share. Actually, you guys, honestly, unless you hate me, you leave a review. I know it's a bit long sometimes. Just a little review. Just a little, you know, tell me, is this five stars, is it four stars? Do you hate my guts? Do yeah. you come here every week just to be like, eh. She's the worst. She's the worst. TMC is great, though. Uh, five stars. Have a very good week.